Blog Talk Radio. Does anybody want the Lord to make him over? Just begin to celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Well, welcome tonight to a Word from God radio broadcast right here on blogtalkradio.com. I am your radio hostess this evening, Evangelist Rebecca Collier-Hagler. And I want you to know tonight that God has a designed word especially for you. Psalms 119 and 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. By keeping God's word in our heart, it keeps us living a holy lifestyle. And then Psalms 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Meaning the word will illuminate our steps. As we walk towards our purpose and our destiny in Christ. Well, it brings me great joy to come before you tonight here on blogtalkradio.com and to share a word from God with you. I want to say thank you to all of those who have been listening to the broadcast. I want to thank you for your encouraging words, and I want to thank you for your support. And I want to let you know that I truly do love you dearly. Thank you so much. It brings me great joy to know that you're listening all over the world to this broadcast. 
Also tonight, um, I may have a little technical difficulty. I'm uh, having to use my cell phone in this evening, my home phone. There's some problems with it, and I cannot use it. So um, I'm using my cell phone. So uh, I'm asking you to pray for me tonight. Um, Sometimes I have a little problem with my cell phone. But we're going to do what the Lord has called us to do. And that is to share a word from God with you. And if I get cut off, please forgive us on tonight. It is due to technical difficulties. But we're going to do the very, very best that we can possibly do on tonight. So what I'm going to do tonight, I had a message planned. But uh, I may not because I don't know if I'm going to sound too garbled here on uh, my cell phone or not. But I will be playing some music on this evening. I will try to get a little bit of the word in. Uh, If I'm sounding too garbled, if someone would call me and just let me know that you can't hardly hear Uh, me talk, and I'll go ahead on and just play some music. But I do want to say on next Sunday night, and I hope that you can hear me, uh, that uh, I have a special guest coming on who is my sister. And um, she has been delivered from homosexuality. She was involved in lesbian affairs for about 30-some years. And God has blessed her and brought her out. He has saved her. She's got a magnificent testimony. And uh, we're just going to um, just believe that God is going to do a mighty work in her life. So we're just giving all glory and honor to God on this evening. And we're going to go ahead on and we're going to play a song for you and pray that you enjoy this song. Can we can we try it here? Let's try it here. What?
Praise the Lord for giving. Hallelujah. That is what uh, we're going to be talking about tonight. We're just going to go ahead and believe that God is going to do what he says that he's going to do and that he's going to bless this message. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you. I give you all glory and honor. I thank you, Father God, that your word will go forth in mightiness and in power. Devil, we bind your powers. You will not hinder the word of God. I know why you're trying to hinder tonight's message because it's all all about salvation, about bringing people to God, getting people's lives right, and you just don't want that to happen. But we thank you, Father God. We praise you. We glorify you. Father God, just send down your ministering angels to minister. Lord God, keep all of the electronic equipment going as as it should. And we just glorify you right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we do pray and we say amen. And as I said earlier, on next week, we will be having a very special guest, uh, my sister who was, after 30 years, delivered from lesbianism. If you have someone in your family that's fighting the homosexual spirit, Uh, I pray that you will have them to listen next week as she shares her testimony about what God did, how he delivered her, how he set her free after over 30 years of being in lesbian relationships. So tune in with us next Sunday night at 730 uh, Central Standard Time. And right now we are going to play another song for you.
you might say, you know what, Sister Becky, I just don't think that uh, God would want me. I don't think God would want to save me. I'm such a horrible person. How could God love me? You don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I've said. You don't know the things that I'm, I've done. You don't know uh, the type of person I am, the things that I've thought. So how can God love me? But I want you to know tonight that you can be saved. And so tonight we're going to go and we're just going to talk about salvation, how to get saved, uh, the, the the different scriptures that will uh, lead you to the Lord and help you to lead other people to the Lord. The scriptures say, he that winneth souls is wise. And many times, sometimes God will tell us, you know, I want you to go and, and witness to that person, and we don't do it. And if we don't do it, the scripture says that that person's blood is required. Their blood is on our hands because you know, we don't know why God has told us to go and witness to that person. This might be their last day on earth. Maybe they're contemplating doing something wrong. Maybe they're maybe when they uh, leave from work, they're going to have a car accident. Maybe they're supposed to be a great man and woman of God, but you don't put the seed in them so that they can uh, grow and give their life to Christ and grow and learn and be trained and go out there and defeat the enemy, not only for themselves but for other people. So when God tells us to witness, we have to just jump up and say, okay, God, I'll do it. But too many times we allow ourselves, including me, not to always speak and tell a person about the love of Jesus Christ. So tonight I'm going to give you a plan of salvation. Now, how do you know that I'm asking you a question tonight. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you ever received the Lord Jesus Christ into your life? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever wondered about it? Or maybe you say, no, I've never even considered it, never thought about it. I don't know if it's something that I want to do. You may ask, what does it mean to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And then you might ask, why do I need to know Jesus in order to go to heaven? I mean, can I just live a good life? Can I be a good person? Can I um, feed the poor or uh, help, you know, visit the sick, maybe visit the jail? I mean, isn't that what a good Christian does? And all of that is true. Christians are supposed to do that. But the scripture tells us that we are to uh, come to God, and we can only come to God through his son, Jesus Christ. It says in Acts 4 and 12, it says, um, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. Uh, and then it says, now that's the King James Version, and it says in the God's Word translation, and it reads like this, no one else can save us. Indeed, we can be saved only by the power of the one named Jesus and not by any other person. 
There is no under no other name up under heaven that will get you in to the kingdom of God, that will get you in to heaven, to get you an audience with God the Father. It is only through Jesus that we are going to make it into heaven, and it's not going to be by any good works, or is it going to be by any good deeds? Uh, the only way that we're going to make it in is that our names are found in the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, for those that stand before the great white throne judgment, that judgment that's at the end where they are really judged by God and sent to their place. See, hell is like a waiting place, like jail. But then prison is a whole other different place, and that's what the lake of fire is. The lake of fire is like prison, but the only thing with the lake of fire, there's no parole. There's no serve 25 years and you're out. There's no serve uh, uh, 22 consecutive years and then you're out. Once you go to the lake of fire and brimstone, that's it. You are there forever. No getting out. No parole. Nobody to to go and appeal your case to God because that is it. God's judgment at that time is final, and it's only final because you chose not to accept God's gift, which is uh, to accept his son, what his son did for you, to accept Jesus Christ into your life. So if your name is not found in the Lamb's Book of Life, God is going to say, what well, do you find Susan's name in the Lamb's Book of Life? And the angel's going to look and say, no, Lord, uh, I don't see it. And then God is going to tell Susan, depart from me, uh, you work of iniquity, for I never knew you. Prepare for Satan and his angels, and they drag her off to hell. Not because God said that that's where she had to go. It's because she did not accept God's gift of salvation. So if our name is not found in the book of life, then we don't go to heaven. Our works and our deeds are judged after salvation. For those of us who have given our life to Christ, that's when our works and our deeds become effective in our life. That is when after salvation, after the rapture, and we stand before the be, uh, the Bema Seat judgment, God is going to look or Jesus is going to look at our works and some, some of the works he's going to throw in the fire and those that come out like pure gold and, and silver and, and precious stones, those are we're going to get a reward for. Those that come, uh, those that are thrown in our works that are thrown into the fire and they burn up like wood, hay, and stubble, you're not going to receive a reward for that. But the scripture says, but you yourself shall be saved. So the works that we do as Christians, we're going to be rewarded for those works. And then Jesus says in John four sixteen, uh, Jesus says. Unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There's no other way to get to the Father but through the Son. That's the only way we as as people are going to get into heaven, that we come through Jesus, that we accept what Jesus did for us, that we accept God's gift, which is his Son, 
and then we accept what Jesus did for us on the cross, and then after we accept, after we uh, give our lives to him, then we live for him totally, and and uh, we do the things that he tells us to do, and we make it in. Now, the first thing that we must realize about salvation is that God loves you. Now, the one thing that the devil is going to always tell you is that God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. You are stupid. You are dumb. Look at all the mistakes you've made. Who could love somebody like you? You are stench in God's nose. God can't use you. You're you're a whoremonger. You're 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 a a liar. You're a deceiver. You're you're an adulterer. You're you're a um uh whatever it is that the enemy might say about you that that you already feel bad about yourself. And so a lot of times the enemy comes down so hard on you, and then he makes you think that other people are coming down hard on you. But sometimes it's not even other people. Sometimes it's just you coming down hard on yourself because you don't love you. But you must realize, first of all, uh, about salvation is that God loves you. God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Not only does God have plans for our life, but also above everything, above everything, he wants us to prosper and to be in health, even as our soul prospers. That's found in Third uh, John 1 and 2. Jeremiah says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God, the day you were born, even before you were born, God had your life planned out. God walked into your future, and then he came back into your birth. And he and he 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 spoke something over you, even in your mother's womb, for you to to move in the direction that he wants you to move in, so that he can give you all of those things, so that he can prosper you, so that you can be in health, even as your soul prospers. But what happens is there is a devil, and along the way he tries to stop us from getting to the road, getting to the path, getting to the destiny that God has for us, and he turns us off of that road. And he gets us somewhere else that we don't need to be. And that's where we get in trouble because we have taken our eyes off of Christ. We've taken our eyes off of God, and we are starting to watch what the devil wants us to watch. We're starting to listen to what the devil wants us to listen to. We're starting to think about what the devil wants us to think about. And why do we do that when he doesn't even care about us? He doesn't care about you. Satan hates you, and all he wants to do is to take you to hell with him. 
So that's why he makes things look so easy. They glitter and they shine. And, you know, they call Vegas the Sin City. Why? Because it's just lit up. There's lights and everything is sparkly and, and blingy and, and, and it's fun. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And and it's it's just wow the place to be and people go there and it's free and it's open pretty much to do whatever it is that you can possibly find to do. That's how the devil pulls you in. And then once he pulls you in, it's hard for you to get out. But you can get out through the help of God. So you must realize that God loves you. He loves you more than anything because the scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, many of you know that's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. I mean, I love people. I have a heart. My heart I'm motivated by the mercy gift, or the gift of compassion, and I love people. But I don't know if I could love you that much that I could give you one of my daughters or give you one of my grandchildren and say, I'm going to allow my daughter to die for you. I'm going to allow my grandson or my granddaughter to die for you. I don't know if I love you that much. But Jesus was God's only begotten. That was his son from his loins. He gave his only son. And then it says that whosoever believeth in God's son, believe what God's son did, should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, what is so hard about believing in Christ? What is so hard about living for Christ, because the scripture says that we should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, I accepted Jesus Christ in 1973 in Okinawa, Japan, and I was 22 years old. So many of you might say, you know, I'm I'm still kind of young, you know. I want to live my life. I want to do what I want to do, you know, before I start getting heavy into the church and doing what God wants me to do. But Scripture says tomorrow, excuse me, tomorrow is not promised to us. We don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. I remember a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, Whitney Houston was preparing to go to the um, the Grammys and, and going to all of the fun events that they had, but she never made it because she died. And so you never know. You prepare for things and you say, well, you know, I'll wait till I'm 45 or I'll, I'm going to wait till I'm 50 to really get serious about God. But you don't know how long you have. You may say, I'll wait till I'm 50, and you might be uh, 22 right now, but you might not make it to age 23, and then you die in your sins, and you don't have everlasting life. So I was 22 years old when I gave my life to the Lord. And one thing I, I was, was, and many of you know I've said it before, and I'll always say it, I was a party girl. I loved to party. I loved to dance. I wasn't much of a drinker. 
But, boy, if it was a party, I was involved in it. If it was a party, I was there. Didn't matter how long the party lasted, I would be one of the last people to leave and then trying to go and find the next party. Love to dance. Love to be around people. Enjoy. Had fun. But when I gave my life to Christ, all of that changed. It wasn't so much that I gave it up, but it was that God took it from me. I no longer had the desire. And so I didn't miss anything because when I gave my life to Christ, things in my life began to change. I began to grow. I began to discover the goodness of God. I began to discover how much God loved me. I began to discover the power of God. I began to see who God really was, that he wasn't just some old man with a white beard throwing down uh uh, thunderbolts every time you did something wrong, but that he was a loving father. He was a kind father. He was one that was concerned about your every need. It didn't matter what it might be. God was there for me. And then it says his love for us knows no bounds. His love for us is unlimited. I don't care what you do. I don't care how you act, how you react, even after you get saved, God still loves you, even when we backslide, even when we make mistakes, even when we do things that are contrary to his word. The scripture says that God is married to the backslide, and eventually you are going to get back with God because God continues to woo you in because he loves you so much. And then God sent his only son to die in our place. Jesus died on the cross and went to hell so that we didn't have to. Jesus took the stripes for all of our healings upon his back. They spat on him. They lied about him. They did all kinds of things to Jesus. But he went ahead and he got up on that cross and he died. The scripture says he gave up the ghost. So Jesus gladly gave his earthly life for mankind, which was an awesome gesture of love. How many of us would truly give our lives for somebody else, that we would suffer for someone else because uh, we love them so much? We don't know them. Uh, um, Of course, Jesus knew us, but I'm talking about us as fleshly people. We may not know them But we say, you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm going to give my life for this person. So we honor and thank God and we thank his son, Jesus Christ, for dying on the cross so that we might have a right to enter into the presence of God. The next says, the Bible says that all men are sinners. Now, why did we need Jesus to come And uh, why do we need to accept him as our personal Lord and Savior? It is because our sins have separated us from God. The scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and 23, it also says in 1 John 1 and 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
everybody has sin, one way, shape, form, or another. None of us are just totally sin-free because none of us are perfect. So you cannot say that uh, I don't have any sin because the Bible says you're deceiving yourself. You are lying to your own self. Scripture also says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin separates us from God. If you remember when Jesus was dying on the cross and he began to speak in a language that no one understood, and then it says being interpreted, saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And God forsook his son because God cannot stand in the presence of sin. And all of man's sins, hallelujah, all of mankind's sins were upon Jesus at that time and the stench of it and the, and the filth of it and all of the sins, all of the ugliness of sin and the the the, the the dredge of sin, all of that was on Jesus and God and his son had never been separated like that before. That God had to turn his head because he couldn't look at his own son because Jesus took your sin and my sin upon himself because sin separates man from God. God made man in his own image. He gave man the ability to choose right from wrong. As mere men, we choose to sin. Our sins keep us from God. Now, God gave us free will. In the garden when he made uh, Adam and Eve, he gave them free will. He didn't say, um, okay, you're going to do exactly as I do, exactly as I say. God gave them a choice. Here are here are the, here is this tree. Now I've given you all these trees over here that you can eat off of, but this one right here you can't eat off of it. Now why God did that, I don't know. I'm not God. That's a question that you'll have to ask Him when you get there. But God gave us a choice, and in many cases, even in in um, in Scripture, God says. On the right hand is life, on the left hand is death. Choose life. He's telling you. But in most cases, many people decide to go their own way, and they choose death. Death meaning the separation from God. Now, as a sinner, man cannot expect anything from God. Why? Because you don't belong to him. You belong to your father, the devil. Uh, John eight forty four says, Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You see, we are not all God's children. We are all his creation. But a child is just like its parent. And those of you that are doing things like the devil, that's your father. Those of you that are doing things like God, that's your father. 
So if you don't know Jesus and the pardon of your sins or your sins have not been forgiven by God, then I'm sorry to say, but you are not saved. You don't, your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. There are, uh, uh, there's a place that you're going to spend eternity in, but it's not going to be in heaven. Number three, God's word also says that sin must be paid for. Sin must be paid for. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. Wages mean payment. The payment of our sin is death and hell, separation from God forever. If we continue in our sin, we shall die without Christ and be without God forever. You see, hell was not made for us. It was made, prepared for Satan and his angels or slash demons. Matthew twenty-five forty-one says, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. And then after that, it goes on to say why they were being cast into hell. Because they were not obedient. They did not follow after the things of God. And that's what's happening with many of us today is we don't follow the plan of God. God gave us a plan to follow, and that plan was to follow after his son. He said, uh, the scripture says, follow me as I follow Christ. We should be following Christ's example in everything that we do. But we seem to, a lot of times, not want to follow after the things of God. We seem to want to follow after the things of the enemy. Number four, the good news is that Christ paid for our sins. All of our sins were laid on Christ on the cross. He paid our sin debt for us. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he arose from the dead. He is alive forevermore. Let me read that again. It says, all of our sins were laid on the cross, on Christ, on the cross. He paid our sin debt for us. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he arose from the dead, and he is alive now forevermore. There's a song that says, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus died. He, Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. I can't pay that debt. I can't pay for all of the wrong that I've done in my life, before salvation and even after salvation. But that debt has been paid. It's been canceled out. 
I've been redeemed. I've been bought with a price, and that price is uh, was Christ's life for me. He died for me, but he arose again, as the scripture says, and he is alive forevermore. And then the scripture says, um, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5 and 8. And then Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Sin means death. It means separation, total separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That when we give our lives to Christ, we die right then and there. And I don't mean that we die physically, but we die to ourselves. We die to the world. And then we take on the life of Jesus Christ where we will be forever with him in eternal life through Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry about dying. So many times people worry about dying. But you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, you don't have to worry about that because the Bible says that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He gave up his life for us. He took upon his back all of the stripes for our healing, for our healing, every disease that is there. Jesus not only had the sins of the world on him, he also had all of the sickness and disease on him, including AIDS, uh, any sexually transmitted diseases, uh, cold, cancer, heart disease, cholesterol, high cholesterol, uh, high blood pressure, you name it. Jesus had all of that. And he was, uh, when he took that, he took all of that so that we might be healed. But after Jesus died on that cross, after he said, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. On the third day, Jesus got up from that grave. And while he was down there in the grave, he went to hell. And he went down there and had a, 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 a good old-fashioned knockout with the enemy, and he defeated Satan, snatching the keys of death, hell, and the grave from Satan's grip so that these things can no longer destroy us as a believer. As I said earlier, we will die in our flesh. And... um or I should say we will die, uh, uh, some of us will die a physical death. Now, when we accepted Christ, we died to the flesh. We we died to 
the things of this world, that these things no longer are a part of us. And some of us will physically die. Uh, and some of us are going to be raptured out of here. So some people will close their eyes here and immediately open them in heaven where they will forever be with the Lord. And some of us will be transported into heaven, uh, and there we will live for an eternity, eternity, eternity. The scripture tells us that to be absent from the body, meaning our spirit man, who we really are, uh, we will leave, that spirit will leave our fleshly mortal body. And then the scripture says uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, meaning we will immediately go and be in the presence of God. So death should not scare us for those of us that are saved. Now, it would be the same uh, for those who are not saved. You will close your eyes here, and you may die in some sort of torment. I don't know. But you will close your eyes here, and when you when you immediately open up your eyes, you'll be in hell. You'll be there with Satan and his angels and all of the little creepy crawly, all of the things, all of the lust, all of the dis- the desires that you had here on earth, you'll still have all of those desires, but guess what? You won't be able to quench any of those desires. To always be hungry, to always want to smoke, to always want uh, uh, to, to, to shoot up, to always want to have sex, to always uh, want to drink alcohol, uh, to, to have a spirit of violence, always still wanting to be violent, uh, having a, a, a spirit of low self-esteem or depressed or, or despondent, you will carry that into your eternity with the devil. And when the devil sees you down there, he's not going to uh, raise his arm and say, welcome, my son, welcome, my daughter. He's going to laugh at you, you stupid, dumb idiot. You did everything I told you. You didn't do anything that God told you. Now look where you are. Now look up there. You see all your family up there, and here you are down here like a nut down here in hell with me. Because, see, a lot of people, I know back in my day, people used to say, oh, well, shoot, when you go to hell, so-and-so going to be there. Jimmy Hendrix going to be there. Uh, Elvis is going to be there. Uh, 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 Marilyn Monroe is going to, I mean, um, yeah, Marilyn Monroe, all these people going to be down in hell. All it's going to be is a big party. It's going to be jamming every night, music, all the, no, no, no. It says there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're going to hear people wailing. You're going to be hearing people screaming and yelling and wanting to get out. But there's no way to get out. There's no way. There's no way. And you will be separated from God forever. But that's not what God wants. That's what the enemy wants. Now, we must personally repent we must personally pray, and we must personally receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Now, the scripture here says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Romans ten thirteen. It also says in Romans ten nine and ten, and this is what it says. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I'm going to read that again. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11, for the scripture said, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But you got to speak it out with your mouth. You've got to call on the name of Jesus, and you've got to believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And then you must believe that God raised him from the dead. Then the scripture says, thou shalt be saved. And then it says, because with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, that you believe in your heart what was done for you. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You've got to confess it. Lord, I thank you. Father, I confess that I'm a sinner. Father, I confess that I believe in your word. I believe in you. You've got to make a confession. And then the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You're not going to be ashamed of giving your life to Christ. You're not going to be ashamed of of saying, I am born again, I am a Christian. Because the Bible says that if you're ashamed to own him here, God says he will be ashamed to own you there. And then Acts 3 and 19 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. It says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Hallelujah. I'm going to stop right there, and uh, we're going to go into a song, and um, and then we are going to come back, and uh, we'll go a little bit further into this message because I want to share with you on how Jesus died and how painful it was, the things that he had to go through in order that you might have a right to call God Father. Hallelujah. Your presence is overwhelming. There's nothing like your presence. 
Oh God. 
No more chains holding me. No more chains holding me. I've been set free from the expectation of man. Free to worship King. Unrestrained. Cross. First of all, as I said earlier, 
they spat on him. And they beat him. And they they took the crown of thorns and they 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 just abruptly just squashed it down on his head. And so not only was Jesus bleeding, but he had those um, thorns. Uh, they were sticking in his head and in his on the sides of his temples. And so the blood was gushing. And then they went around and they, they they hit him. They beat him up pretty bad. I mean, they beat him up really bad. Uh, if any of you have ever seen The Passions of the Christ, you need to watch that movie again and truly see what um, how Jesus really looked when he died. But they beat him and they ripped the beard out of his face. I mean, just ripped it, just pulled it and just jerked on it and ripped it. So they pulled hair out of his face and sure they ripped some of the skin in his face. But the Bible says he never said a mumbling word. That's what the Bible says. And then after that, they beat him and they just beat him and they beat him. And they beat him, and I'm, and they they used uh, uh, like a uh, a whip, and it had it had bones and nails and 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 different types of sharp objects in it, so that when it went across his back, it just ripped his back open, and all of the muscles and the sinews, all the stuff that that's in the body, just came pouring out the blood, and his back opened up, and he was in so much pain. But not one time did he say a mumbling word. He did that for you. And then they took a cross, a heavy wooden cross, and they put it on his back. Now, mind you, he was just beaten on his back. Hallelujah. He was beaten and his back is, is the sores are open and, and there are probably flies and insects and different things flying into his his skin and, and into those wounds. And they didn't put anything on the wounds to soothe the pain. So he's got the skin ripped off of he's got his beard ripped off of his face. He's been spat at, he's been upon he, he the crown was thrust down into his head so you know it was stuck in his head and he's got blood going down the side of his face and dripping where the beard was and they beat him and so I don't even know if Jesus could see you know I've seen boxers where they beat him so bad that their eyes were closed then they take this cross and they put it across his back and they're laughing and they're beating him and, and they're kicking at him. And, and, and Jesus falls several times because of the weight of the cross. And I'm sure of the pain that was in his back. And they're laughing at him and look at you. You say you're the king of the Jews. They were mocking him, saying all kind of ugly things to him. Well, you do so much God's son, 
you know, why don't you just teleport yourself out of here? And Jesus could have done that. He had 12 legions of angels where that's like 144,000 angels with their swords drawn just waiting for Jesus to give them the look, just the look. You didn't have to say anything. Just look at them a certain way, and they would know the master said it's time to wipe this place out. But Jesus never said a mumbling word. He never gave them that look. And so they had to find a man. There was a, a man there, I believe his name was Simon. He was a black man. And, and they made him carry the cross the rest of the way for Jesus. And then when Jesus got to Golgotha Hill or Calvary's Hill and they laid the cross down on the ground and they took nine-inch spiked nails. I mean, they weren't like the nails that we hang up our pictures, real heavy-duty nails. And they Stretched out his hand. They made him stretch out his hand. Now I've pricked my hand with a needle, and I and I was crying. But can you imagine having a nine-inch spike nail drilled into the palm, the middle section? They knew exactly where to put it so that the nail it wouldn't hit any bones. It would just go straight through the meat and the skin. And they did that. And so here is Jesus. Not only is his head bloody from from being beaten and from the beard being snatched off of his his face and, and the crown that, that, that spiked crown on his on his head and, and they beat him in his back so bad. Now they got him laying on us on those sores, those open sores. And now he's laying there in pain. Now he's got uh, nails stuck in his hand. The pain that that must must have been like. I mean, we as women, we cry and we complain about the pain that we go through through childbirth. But what kind of pain did Jesus feel? And 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 then they crossed his feet, and then they drove a couple of more big nails into his feet. And they nailed him. I mean, what inhuman treatment. If that would have happened today, they would send people to jail for for doing that kind of thing. That that's inhuman to bring about that kind of pain to someone. Now I would have probably passed out from the beating. Just the beating alone, I probably would have passed out. But Jesus was still alive, and he was still talking. Then they lifted that cross, and they dropped it, not placed it, but dropped it in a hole. And when they dropped it in the hole with Jesus on it, every bone in Jesus' body came out of joint. Hallelujah. Every bone came out of joint. Jesus wasn't on the cross like we see on TV or like we see on these crosses. He was a bloody mess. 
a bloody mess, a blob almost like creature. But yet he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They thought it was funny. They thought it was hilarious to see someone in that kind of pain and someone who had never done anything but good. So when we go through our little persecutions here on earth and we're complaining about what we're going through because, you know, I didn't get this promotion or I didn't get this man as my husband or I didn't get this woman or I don't have any friends or I don't have this or I don't have that. I don't I didn't get a brand new car. I don't have a, a big house. I'm living in the projects. Whatever. It's nothing compared to what Jesus went through for you. And then we have the nerve to get mad at him because we didn't get what we wanted in life. Mm. And then Jesus looked over and there was one man that said, well, if you be the son of God, why don't you save us and yourself too? But there was another one that told him to be quiet. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. This man has done no wrong. We rightfully deserve what we're getting. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you get into thy kingdom. And Jesus had had enough life in him to say, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He took time to stop dying, to save a soul, to save somebody, and give them an opportunity to be with him in heaven. And then it says that he, uh, his head went to the side, and he said, Father, into thy hand I commend my, commit my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. He gave up his spirit. And it said that Jesus died. Now, that's what Jesus did for you. He went through all of that for you. And he even went to hell for you. And he defeated the devil and his little minions and imps and demons and whatever else you want to call them. He defeated them because they thought they had him. They thought they had him. And after he died and, and and the sky went black and the earth shook, God was angry. And I can understand that anger because that was his son, his child. I mean, I would do whatever I had to do if my children were murdered like that or, or or died like that. I would be angry. And God shook the earth and he darkened the sky because it wasn't even nighttime. It was like mid-noon somewhere, maybe 3 o'clock, somewhere around there. And Jesus, he died and God, God just couldn't take it. And he just, you know, just had to let off some steam and he did. But Jesus did that for you. When the plan of salvation is offered to us, we should never reject such a precious gift. There is no gift that you're ever going to get that is better than when Jesus died on the cross for your sins. 
For he says, in a time of favor, of an assured welcome, I have listened to and heeded your call, and I have helped you on the day of deliverance, the day of salvation. Behold, now is truly the time for a gracious welcome and acceptance of you from God. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's the Amplified Version. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. If you've ever seen the, the, the photo or the, the painting of Jesus knocking at the door, if you ever look at that painting good, clearly, look at it really good, there is not a doorknob on the side of Jesus because you have to open the door. And when you open that door, Jesus says, I will come in to you and will sup with you and you with me. Hebrews 3 and 15 says, Then while it is still called today, if you will hear his voice, and when you hear it, do not harden your heart. Your heart as in rebellion in the desert when the people provoked and irritated and embittered God against them. Don't harden your heart. Don't act like you don't hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Don't act like you don't know. Right now, some of you are hearing, and and those of you that are going to listen to the archive uh, of this show, you're going to hear the voice of God. For those of you that are saved and, and you have loved ones that you want to see saved, you sit them down with this uh, with this show because it will stay on my um, in my archives for a long time. And you can use this as a witnessing tool because the anointing of God is pulling on the hearts of people right now. And even as it goes into the archives, the anointing of God will pull on the lives of the people that will hear what I am saying. Today, tonight, is the time for salvation. And I'm asking you, would you heed the call of God? Would you not harden your heart to the voice of God, the calling of God to you? He is asking you right now to give him your life. Let him turn your life completely around. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't be afraid to give him your life. It is the best thing that you're ever going to do for yourself, for your family, for your friends, and for future people. That you're going to meet Because the Bible says He that winneth souls is wise And there's a special crown For soul winners in heaven You see many of you are going through something That only God right now Can help you out of You're scared because you don't know How you're going to make it You don't see any way out of the situation that you're in. 
The devil is lying to you. He's telling you nobody cares. Nobody loves you. Nobody sees you. Nobody hears you. Nobody wants to talk to you. Everybody's against you. Give up. Take some pills. Put a gun to your head. Destroy yourself. You don't want to be here anymore. Don't listen to that voice. That is the voice of the enemy, and he is a liar. I read in the scripture earlier, it says that he is the father of lies. God is right where you're sitting. God is right where you're standing. If you're listening to me uh, while you're driving, God is in the car with you. Some of you, your problems are so strong, you, you, you're thinking about taking a drink. You might be taking a drink right now while we're listening. Some of you are thinking about using drugs. You might be using drugs right now while you're listening. You might be thinking about doing something violent, not only taking your life, but taking the life of family members. You might be so messed up in your marriage, you're thinking about having an affair. These things are all tricks of the enemy to stop you from getting to the place where God would have you to be. Don't allow the enemy to continue to have control of your life, of your body. Give yourself to Jesus. It's really simple. All you have to do tonight to be introduced to Christ, to meet Jesus, to spend eternity with God, is to just repeat this little small prayer after me. Mean it from your heart. Speak it and receive it by faith, and you will and can be saved tonight. We're going to go ahead and we're going to pray, and I want you to pray behind me. And then I want you to write me at a word from God three at AOL dot com and let me know that you have received Jesus or that you were blessed by tonight's message or that you were a backslider because this works for backsliders too. That you were a backslider and you're coming back home to God. But after you pray this prayer, I want you to write me at a word from God 3 at AOL.com, and I will write you back. And whatever help you might need spiritually, I'll do what I can to help you, and also I'll help you to find a church in your area so that you might learn more and more and more about God. If you want to be saved tonight, if you want to be set free, if you want to be delivered from your sins, if you're a backslider and you want to come back home, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Mean it in your heart. Believe it in your heart. Accept it. Accept Christ and be saved. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. If I died today, I would not go to heaven. Forgive my sins. Come into my life and be my Savior. I confess that I am a sinner 
and I am sorry. I need a savior. I know that I cannot save myself. I believe by faith that Jesus, your son, died on the cross to be my savior. I believe that he arose from the grave to live as my Lord. I turn from my sins. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive my sins and come into my heart. I will trust you as my Savior, and I receive you as my Lord. Help me live for you from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you are now saved. And let me be the first to say welcome to my new brothers and my new sisters in Christ. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans ten thirteen. And you are now saved. And every angel and saint of God in heaven is now rejoicing over your great decision. Hallelujah. And then the last thought, you now have new life. New life. A new beginning. All of those things that you did are all up under the blood covering of Jesus Christ. Now, you don't have to go back to God and ask him to forgive you for those things. Now, if you do something new, you need to ask him to forgive you, and he will. And then when you ask him to forgive you, try not to do it again. But if you make a mistake again, just ask him to forgive you. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Everlasting life begins when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, what I want you to do after tonight is, if you know of a good Bible teaching, Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled church in your area, you go and you join that church. Make sure that they are a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled church. Let it be a church where when you go there, you feel the power of God, the love of God. You, you, when the word of God is spoken, your spirit begins to jump and agree because your spirit man is now connected to Christ. And, and God will let you know, yes, this is where I want you. No, I don't want you here. And if you're not sure about something, you can email me at a word from God 3 at AOL.com, and I can put you in contact uh, with some good churches in your area. See, you need a good church so that you can be trained in God's word, so that you can learn how to pray and be filled with the Holy Ghost 
and grow to be used by God for his glory. I want you to know that, as I said earlier, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. I mean, totally rejoicing. They are so excited. They are already working on your mansion, working on your rewards, getting everything ready. So even if you leave out of here physically, by a physical death, or if you leave out of here in the rapture, that your place will be ready and waiting on you. God loves you so much tonight. I love you. And like I said, once again, if you did on tonight receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to hear from you. You can email me at a word from God 3 at AOL.com. And I promise you, I will write you back. Well, I am about through. I do once again want to uh, say that uh, on next week, if you have family members, somebody that you know that is caught up in the gay lifestyle, in the homosexual lifestyle, be they a lesbian or be they a, a gay male, I want you to have them to listen to next week's uh, program. My sister, who was bound by alcohol and was bound by homosexuality, gave her life to Christ. And God thoroughly saved her, delivered her from alcohol, but not only from alcohol, but he delivered her from homosexuality. That shows you that you are not born into it. It is a choice. And God set my sister free. And she has a testimony that is so powerful that you need to hear. So anybody that you know that might be involved in that lifestyle, especially those that are trying to get out, those that want to be free, I will be taking phone calls on next week, but I am not taking any phone calls that are debating homosexuality. I'm not on the program to debate homosexuality. We're going to be on the program to help people to get free if that is what they want to do. So join us next week, 730, uh, here on com slash a word from God. I once again want to say thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Uh, check out all of my blogs and all of my affiliate sites that I do have. It is an honor uh, each week to come before you and just share the word of God and take this message that you heard tonight and let a lot of people who you know that don't know Jesus, I pray that you will take this message and sit down with them and let them hear the word of God and let them know that Christ died on the cross for their sins. Well, this is Evangelist Rebecca Collier Hagler saying thank you for tuning in to A Word from God right here on blogtalkradio.com.
I am your radio hostess this evening. I am saying thank you for joining us. May God richly bless all of your endeavors for him. I will see you next week. <coughs> Call all of your family and your friends. Tell them about this wonderful woman of God that will be on the show next week. And uh, I pray that tonight has been a blessing to you. I pray that you will use this message and that you will go out this week and win souls for Christ. See you next week. God bless you and have a blessed evening.
I know y'all know how to move out there. Come on, y'all listen to us. 